Welcome to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Picked off by the Colts. Kenny Moore, 30, 20, down the near sideline. They hand off to Taylor, right up the gut, and he's in there. Touchdown! We're talking Colts and recapping the action. He's got it! Here's the voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. Hey, good evening. Welcome into Colts Roundtable Live tonight, presented by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. I'm Matt Taylor with you until 7 o'clock tonight, and we're talking about the Colts and the loss on Sunday to the Titans and a look ahead to Thursday night football. It's a short week this week for the Colts as they travel to Denver and take on the Broncos. The Colts now sit at 1-2-1 on the season. They're winless in the division through three tries, and the Colts are in third place in the AFC South, but only a half game back of the Titans and the Jaguars for first place. The Colts dug themselves a hole early and got down big. The Titans scored points on their first four drives of the game and sprinted out to a 24-3 lead in the second quarter. Unfortunately, the Colts have been there before. It marked the third time this season the Colts trailed by as many as 17 points to a divisional opponent. But the Colts came storming back. They pulled within 24-17 to in the fourth quarter. But turnovers and costly mistakes and crucial first downs made by the Titans proved to be the difference down the stretch in the game. The Colts turned the ball over three times on Sunday, which led to 14 Titans points. Colts are now minus six on the season in the turnover margin, and they've allowed a league-worst 43 points off of turnovers this season. Tennessee won the game primarily because of the turnover battle, and they won the running game. Derrick Henry ran for 114 yards on 22 carries. 99 of those yards came in the first half. It was his sixth career 100-yard game against the Colts. Meanwhile, Jonathan Taylor ran for only 42 yards for the game. He exited the game early with an ankle injury in the fourth quarter, and that's going to be monitored this week on a short week leading into Denver. And as a team, the Colts ran for only 38 yards, the lowest total in the Frank Reich era and the lowest rushing output for the franchise in a game since 2015. The bright spot for the Colts in the game was their tight ends. That unit collectively had 180 receiving yards. That's the most receiving yards by a group of tight ends in an NFL game this season. Bo Alley Cox caught a pair of red zone touchdowns, matching a career high for him in scores in a single game. The Colts have had tight ends record two touchdown receptions in consecutive games after Jelani Woods had two touchdowns last week. It marks the first time the Colts have done that since week 14 and 15 of the 2009 season. Coming up, we'll recap the game with Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights. The former Colts will be along, and they'll join me starting on the next segment. And we're taking your Twitter questions tonight later on in the show and on this segment as well. If you have a question on the Colts, tweet it in using hashtag Colts Roundtable, and we'll do that right now. Take your questions, that is, with head coach Frank Reich, brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. Coach Reich is in the studio with us right now on segment number one and coach obviously a really tough one to deal with on Sunday for you when you went back and and examined the tape today what was the difference in the game with Tennessee well I think on offense it comes down to two things you know we got to run the ball better and we got to eliminate the turnovers I think on defense um, we're playing a lot of good football on defense I think we all can see that Um, but I'd say the two areas of improvement we could have there are you know need a few more takeaways and then we need to be uh, better in the red zone I think on special teams, I think it was pretty clean. You know, they had a return or two that got a little further out there than we wanted, but I think special teams have been pretty consistent. After a game like that, what's the temperature of the team after this game? Guys are mad, they're frustrated, they're obviously disappointed, but how are they handling that while also dealing with the fact that you got to get ready for a big game on a short week on Thursday night as well? 
Yeah, the players the players are great about it. I mean, yeah, everybody's extremely disappointed, but players even better than coaches. A lot of times are they got to move on. You know, we move on. So um, we got a great group of guys. Everyone's disappointed. You use that as motivation. Yeah, and you turn that towards Denver. I know you talked about this earlier today with the media, but for this audience, can you put your finger on on the slow starts? Are there some common denominators that have led to getting behind the eight ball in some of these AFC South games? You know, a couple early turnovers, you know, that's that's part of it, and the lack of a running game as far as offensively. And then defensively, it goes back to, you know, the red zone stops. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to get some red zone stops early in the game. Last one for me, the bright spot in the game, tight ends. 180 receiving yards from that group, you know, four tight ends combined or touchdowns combined by the tight ends the last two games, all of them red zone. Why do you think that position group has been so positive for you here in the early going of the season? Yeah, I mean, we've been excited. I've been saying that from the start that this is a good group. You know, they they all play a role. They all have their strengths. Um, They complement each other well. We're excited. They're all playmakers in their own right, and we'll continue to mix it up. I mean, it's a real bright spot. No doubt about that. All right, let's get to the fan questions. If you have a question for Coach tonight and every Monday night, you can tweet it in. Use hashtag Colts Roundtable to do that. Michael is up first tonight, Coach. He's asking a loaded question, no doubt, but why has it been so difficult to establish Jonathan Taylor in the running game so far this season? You know, we've just we've been we've been inconsistent up front. You know, as far as um, you know our execution, we got to find ways to put guys in better position. Um, you know, ultimately, we just have to. You know, we just have to find ways to be more productive on first and second down running the football. Right. Because when you're not, it puts you in third and long. And that, that those are – those. You we can overcome those, but you don't want to have to overcome them, you know, series in and series out. Right. Uh, piggybacking off that, Gary's asking, what is JT's status on a short week given his uh, ankle injury? Yeah, I mean, I, we'll see day to day. It's short – you know, this short week, it mm-hmm. makes it tough. But, um, you know, I haven't spoken with him yet today, but – you know, know that he's going to do everything he can do to get ready. All right, Dan is asking, what is it like to prepare for games on a short week compared to a normal week? You know what? Um, it's a grind, but it's not, you know, there's a side of it as players and coaches, especially coming out after a loss, you're happy for a Thursday night game. Normally you're not happy for a Thursday night game, but if you've lost the week before, yeah. you're very thankful for a Thursday night game because you got an opportunity right. to try to redeem yourself. All right, Aaron is asking, what led to the change with Will Fries at right guard along that offensive line, and how did he grade out in his first career start? You know, it, it was it was a tough move because we really liked Danny, but, you know, we just felt like Will had earned an opportunity to get a shot, you know, and, and, and so we put him in there and, uh, he did some good things. We'll we'll look at the film and talk about it as the week goes on about uh, how we'll play next week. All right, we've got time for a couple more. Uh, Miguel is asking, you talked about this earlier, needing more turnovers and, and uh, eliminating the turnovers on offense. How do you fix the turnover battle? We're minus six on the season. We only have two takeaways so far on defense. Yeah, I mean, we've got to do it one game at a time. We've got to win the turnover battle this week, right? And um, we got to do a better job on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, that's got to be a collective effort. It's got to be intentional. It's got to be practiced. It's got to be a mindset that we're going to protect the ball and we're going to take it away. All right, last one from Dave. How surprised are you that Alec Pierce has been so reliable early on the deep balls making contested catches? Not at all surprised. That's what we saw in college. That's what we've seen since he's been here. Um, really excited and another another bright spot another young bright spot of a you know we got mm-hmm. these two rookies in Jelani Woods and Alec Pierce you know that we drafted um, that are really good players 
All right, last one on uh, Denver. The task at hand on Thursday night. They're two and two. They fell to the Raiders, thirty-two to twenty-three. Coach, uh, what stands out to you about Denver getting ready for them on Thursday night here? Uh, top five defense. They're really good on defense. They're good up front. They got two good edge pass rushers. Their corners are really good. Um, and then on offense, it's it's all about Russell Wilson. You know, obviously they got it going a little bit on. I didn't, you know, watch uh, right. I didn't watch all of their offense yet. But it's Russell Wilson. You know, the name speaks for itself and his right. production over his career. Um, great player, so um, dangerous player. So, you know, we got to keep him down and then we got to find ways, you know, going up against a top five defense to, to score more mm-hmm. points. That's Frank Reich here on Colts Roundtable Live tonight, Coach. I know it's a crazy, hectic week on a Thursday night. So, short week. Get out of here and uh, good luck on Thursday and appreciate the time on a Monday. Thanks, Matt. That's our weekly talk with Frank Reich, brought to you as always by Citizens Energy Group, saving home on monthly bills when you can serve water and energy. For money-saving tips, visit citizensenergygroup.com. When we come back tonight on Colts Roundtable Live, we'll uh, dive in with Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights and get their tales of the tape after the Colts lost to the Titans in week number four. Their big takeaways after watching the film on a Monday morning. We're coming back with that in just a moment. Stay with us. You're listening to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We now return to Colts Roundtable Live. Once again, here's Matt Taylor. Hey, thanks for sticking around. Welcome back to Colts Roundtable Live tonight on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan, presented as always by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. The show is also brought to you by Caesars and Pick 6. That is the uh, free-to-play game all season long. Answer six predictive questions about the game every week for a chance to win Colts great prizes. Must be 21 or older to play. It's now time to welcome in the fellas, the former Colts, Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights to the program. And, boys, I know we got a lot to talk about here with you until 7 o'clock. You've both watched the tape. You've taken good copious notes good and bad from the Colts game in week four against Tennessee. So the floor is yours on what we call the tail of the tape. Rick, why don't you go first? Top takeaways from the game, you know, watching the tape again today on Monday morning. Yeah, you know, it's it's really about the same as when I left the stadium after watching the tape. I really, I have to say, I'm literally almost sick to my stomach. And I, I guess the reasons for it are, number one, I, I didn't see this first month coming this way, Matt. I really did not. I thought we would get off to a really good start. I thought we were a good-looking team that had had a good training camp. Um, you know, particularly you know the 0 for three in the division is just mind you know just mind-boggling in a way. Um, and I, I really do believe, and I'm I'm not totally depressed, but I I just believe this team is really underachieving. I I just I think what makes me sick is I don't think it needs to be this way. I really don't. I don't think that we have been beaten by three better teams, but we've been beaten and beaten soundly in first halves. You know, we've become a team of extremes. We might as well be the Indianapolis extremes. I mean, we can play terrific and we can play terrible in the same 60 minutes. You know, but at the end of the day, uh, and, and we're going to dissect a million things here today on reasons good and bad. But at the end of the day, the thing that really has gone upside down for us is the turnover ratio. I mean, the 12 fumbles, nine by our quarterback, you know, headed for a NFL record is just incredible. And the fact that we're not taking it away on defense, we're at a minus six now, which puts us really 
I mean, there's all kinds of ties, but essentially 32nd. We're minus six, and a year ago we were, I believe, a plus ten. We were one or two in the league. They actually were you know, and it, plus fourteen last year at the end of the was season. Was it plus fourteen? Okay, right. plus fourteen. Yeah. I mean, we have that's been our 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 you know our signature, you know, and it's it's really coming down to you know we 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 really can't run it, uneven protection, uh, you know, uh, you know we we give the ball up way too easy, uh, and you know in the first half. Basically, with the exception of one game, we haven't stopped a quarterback. So we've had astronomical quarterback ratings. I mean, he was 134.9 at the half. And, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, the Titans basically did what they do. I don't think, we lo- I don't think we've lost or tied a, a really good team yet, certainly an elite team. But what the Titans do, they did what they do is they stayed true to themselves they played consistent and didn't turn it over. Uh, and I, I, well, I'm interested in Joe's tape, but I, I thought they just were so much more physical in the front seven. And then at the end of the day, they made the game-changing plays, and we didn't. You know, I, I guess I, the, to me, we, you know, there's always those three parts of the game: the opening part, the middle eight, and then the finale. You know, and they totally dominated the start. We dominated the middle eight. And then when it really came down to winning it or losing it, when it was a one-possession game with plenty of time to go, to me it was a bit of a microchasm of what our problem is. We drive the length of the field, we fumble, we give it up down in the alumni high red zone. We do it again. We come down, we're in that alumni zone, we're threatening to go in, we can't pick up a delay text game, so we get a sack. So it's a, it's a sack one drive, it's a fumble one drive, and then they get into the third and two when they got to have it. They run a bootleg, boom, we can't stop them, and we hit it. And if really, if you kind of look at those three things, those three things are reoccurring themes all the way through. So, as I said, I, I'm not totally depressed because I don't think it has to be this way, uh, but it's just a miserable existence right now. And I guess the good news, and Joe has had to do this, uh, I've had to do it, is the good news is you're on the plane Wednesday and you're looking at a team that you can beat in a tough venue, but definitely a team you can beat. And yeah. but there, but it has to be now. I mean, we have to live in one week capsules now. Don't worry about anything else. You better just take care of yourself. No doubt about that. All right, Joe, your tale of the tape, piggybacking off of uh, Rick's comments on watching the film again today. Yeah, I thought this game really epitomizes the first four weeks of the season for the Colts, and that's digging a hole. You dig yourself a twenty-four to three hole. You fight scratch, claw like crazy to get out of it. But then the the reality about digging in a hole is you have no margin for error on the back end, and that was our issue. You know, Taylor gets the first down, but he fumbles the ball. We had to have that because we have no margin for error. Third and two, Tannehill, you know, little bootleg completion. You know, we had to shut him out in the second half, and we did, but they were just able with that four-minute drive there at the end to do it. But when you think about the defense, they didn't allow a point the last 37 minutes of the game. Think about that. I mean, the last 37 minutes – but the reality is our offense is continuing to hinder us. And to Coach's great point, it's really about turnovers. I mean, we were minus three on the game. You know, Matt, historically in the NFL, if you're minus three turnover, you have a less than 10% chance to win the game. And that's where we were. And so you look minus six through the season. We're second to last in the NFL. And, you know, under Frank, we've never finished worse than um, even or better in the turnover margin. So that's always been a strength of this team that has become a weakness through the first four games. And so – I also think Coach's point, 
we were dominated at the point of attack, offensively, defensively, especially with our offensive line. They were resetting the line of scrimmage, which means that if the ball's on the 40 to start out, all of a sudden we're getting pushed back and they're in our backfield, not just the defensive line, but long 51. I thought in Cunningham's absence, he had a great game. You know, that first play of the game, we were going to run a little wham with Granson on Simmons. Simmons just held him off with one arm, made the tackle for loss with the other arm. And I just felt like they were the more physical team, generally against a Mike Vrabel team. They're going to try to bully you. you got to bully the bully. And then we had a great comeback. But when you're down 21, again, no margin for error. And we had three drives, first and 10 on the 34. We get the Autry sack. That's where Weaver really pressed Smith back in the pocket. He had to step up kind of right into Autry's hands. The next time, third and one on the 24, Taylor would have the first down. That's a fumble there, ball. And then that last drive on the missed field goal, we had first and 10 on the 22. But we have a negative play. We give up a sack. We miss a 51-yard field goal. And then, unfortunately, you know, we really didn't get the ball back and a chance to score. So, again, dug a hole in that game. We've dug a hole for the season through the first quarter. If you would have told me we would have been one, two, and one, I would have said, boy, you're uh, you're on something right there, but that's where we're at. And you got to fight, you got to scratch, claw like crazy. But if you think about the next four, at Denver, very winnable. Jacksonville at home, Washington at home, at Tennessee. You, you really have to make some hay in these next four games and, and win three of four, and you have to win your two division games. Otherwise, by the time the, the calendar hits November, you might be too far back in this thing. You know, we, we can, you can go back two weeks ago and sort of play the tape. After the Jacksonville game leading into Kansas City, we said then, hey, this team is at whatever you want to call it, a crossroads or they're at a turning point or a, a situation early in the season where it could go one of two ways. After this loss against Tennessee, your division rival, your winless uh, through three games in the AFC South, Joe, are they right back at, at that crossroads or that turning point? I mean, is that fair to say for this team? That's how big this week, that's how big this upcoming game is for the Colts, you know, in week five? No question. I mean, your backs were against the wall in Kansas City, and you fought out of it. You competed like crazy all game, which I thought we didn't do, and that's a head-scratcher to me because that clearly was the recipe against Kansas City. Fight, compete like crazy, and actually, you know, be the more physical team, be the more aggressive team, be the more intense team, and we weren't that way on Sunday. So I agree. We're, we're backed into a corner here, but the, the slow starts that we've had three against three division opponents, I mean, in my opinion, it's just it's unexcusable because now you're 0-2-1 in the division. The reality is, Matt, no team has ever won the South with fewer than four division wins, and so you got to think you got to sweep those three coming back to get the 3-2-1 in the division if you realistically probably want to think about getting a chance for that AFC South crown. Yeah, I, I mean, I think basically you you now have to live one week at a time. I mean, we, we have to live for Thursday. The the, the, the hole is going to become the Grand Canyon if we don't get this. I mean, there there isn't any question about it. But it just seems to me that, you know, starting about, I don't know, midseason last year, we just struggle, um, and, and it's, it's longer than that. Uh, we don't handle the pressure – of that even game or that favorite or it's a must game because we just have to have it. We play within games and in games like Kansas City when nobody gives you a chance and your back is to the wall and it's almost like the pressure is relieved. And then within games, I mean, in the three division games, Joe talked about the starts. They're terrible. I mean, we're, we obviously aren't as prepared as the other team. Now, I'm not saying 
that we haven't worked at it, but the other team is more prepared to take advantages of our weaknesses, and they do it. I mean, we've been behind 68-6 to six against our three division teams. So, so that's awful. I mean, there, there isn't any doubt about it. But I just feel – and then all of a sudden, it's almost like the pressure's off. Now we rise up and, mm-hmm. you know, we play like Lombardi's Packers. But, you know, I just feel like, you know, at some point now, we just have to take care of business. And the biggest thing you have to have is ball security. If we, if we don't get better ball security, it's not, it, it won't make any difference. Joe just mentioned it. You, you can't be – you can't lose the turnover battle – um, you know, 0 for 3 and do anything. You know, uh, we won the stati- – if you look at time of possession, if you look at yardage and that's all you look at, then we won the stat sheet. But the R- RV's big three, and I've, I've always put this – I always give this to you every week. The big three for me, always – more than any other statistic, is, is three statistics. First of all, points given up. Second of all, turnover ratio. And third, quarterback rating. And so, because I I normally say that over time, those things determine who's a good team and who isn't. So, you know, uh, basically we're not scoring worth a damn. We only scored 17. Uh, We did hold them to 20. uh, But, you know, they won that. Uh, The turnover ratio, they won three to zip. And the quarterback rating, even though Ryan, you know, he may rate 100, but the other kid was 125. He was 134.9 at the half. So, to me, the the RV three vitals. Yeah. You know, we are we are consistently losing other than one game, and so you know that's got to change. And and particularly the ball security. I mean, Ryan can't fumble every time he gets hit. I mean, that is ridiculous. Nine fumbles. I mean, it just seems like. Every time that pocket collapses on him, the ball comes out, and that can't happen. No doubt about it. Hey, celebrate Monday night football with the free app at B-Dubs when the Colts get a defensive takeaway. Valid at participating Indianapolis locations. Free appetizer includes anything up to $13.49 value on the bar food menu. All right, that's the tale of the tape here on Colts Roundtable Live with Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights. I'm Matt Taylor. When we come back, We're going to dive into a segment called What's the Deal? Why are the Colts not executing up to their standards? We'll answer that when we come back on Colts Roundtable Live here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. This is Roundtable Live, a full hour dedicated to Colts football. Here again is Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts. Hey, welcome back again on Colts Roundtable Live. It's presented, as always, every Monday night by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips. Do that at citizensenergygroup.com. This message is also brought to you by Meyer, the official super center of the Indianapolis Colts, a proud sponsor of hundreds of local sports teams across the Midwest. I'm Matt Taylor. Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights are back tonight here on Colts Roundtable Live. We're going into a segment right now called simply... What's the deal? Because the Colts are four games in, and they have yet to play a complete game, complimentary football in all three phases. So let's take a look at some key areas that keep plaguing the Colts here on what's the deal. So we'll talk more about the slow starts. Rick, you alluded to it on the last segment, but another slow start for the Colts. They trailed 24-3 in the second quarter. The Titans scored points on all of their first four drives, and it marked the third straight contest against a divisional team where the Colts have trailed by at least 17 points. 
The Colts have been outscored 65-23 to in the first half of this season, including 27-10 to in the first quarter. They've also been outscored 64-16 to in the first half of their last four games against the division when you factor in Week 18 last year in Jacksonville. So, Joe, I'll let you go first on this one. The Colts getting down early against their division rivals, who on paper they are – uh, you know, they have a superior team over in terms of you look at the betting lines and things like that. I know the game's not played on paper, but these slow starts and getting down big early, Joe, what is the deal? Well, I think, one, it comes down to lack of urgency on offense, and it comes down to turning the ball over. I mean, if you go back to the game, Tennessee scored on a 32-yard drive after that first fumble by Matt Ryan, and they scored on a 28-yard drive after the interception. Now, that interception was a bit of a fluke play, you know, tart, Actually, Quentin Nelson was doing a good job of trying to finish him when he put his hands up. He barely got a paw on it, and it just kind of fell down to his lap like a, he was laying on the ground and a feather just kept coming down. But the reality is our defense actually did a great job, I thought, all game. To hold them to 10 points outside of those two drives was really impressive. impressive. But yeah, only the ball they, they only gave up 38 total yards in the second half. <laughs> I mean, that's that's incredible. But we're turning the ball over, so, you know, Quentin Nelson gets beat. That happens. Again, you got to have your five stars play like five stars, but Autry put a nice outside swim move on him, got an edge. There's a big difference between taking the sack there and punting it away 50 yards downfield with Hawk, who has proven to be a pretty good weapon, and giving up the ball. And I think to Coach's point, that ball security issue with Matt Ryan not holding on to it. I mean, nine fumbles in four games. I mean, he's on pace to set an NFL record, which you absolutely cannot do. And I think the short fields – that's the difference between maybe seven and three. That's the difference between them punting the ball back and all of a sudden we're up seven to three or it's seven to seven, but instead it's 14 to three, 21 to three, and the game got out of there. So I really just go back to that ball security. We got to get that better, but overall, too much lack of urgency. I think too much casual, like, oh, we'll get them back. We're, we're done digging ourselves in a hole. We can't do that if we want to win some of these football games. No doubt about that. All right, let's go to losing the turnover battle because through four games, the Colts have a minus six in the turnover margin. And as you said earlier, Joe, I think it was you, the Colts have never finished a season with a negative turnover margin under Frank Reich. Three more turnovers on Sunday, uh, and to make matters worse, Matt Ryan has fumbled nine times on the season. That's a pace that puts him way ahead of the NFL record of 23 fumbles in a year set previously by Kerry Collins and Dante Culpepper. And the Colts have allowed, I think this is the most damning part of it, the Colts have allowed 43 points off of turnovers so far this year. That is last in the NFL, and it's last by a wide margin. It's 10 more then the next team on that list, New Orleans, has has allowed 33 points off of turnovers so far this year. So the Colts, Rick, not only losing the turnover battle, but losing it pretty decisively on a week-to-week basis. Well, what's the deal with that? Well, it, it, it's really all it's really all about the fumbles and the inordinate amount of fumbles. Of course, is on the quarterback. Now, you know, I think you know from that standpoint, I think these these bad starts, you know, to me. I, I do look at it from a coaching standpoint, and I do think that the, in the opponents that we face, particularly the ones that know us, have put up really good game plans early, and they've done things to create advantage for themselves. The first thing they've done is they've totally shut down the run. I mean, Jonathan Taylor averages 2-1 in this game. I mean, he, you're, we're starting to rave if he gets 50, okay? And so – What's happened is we're looking at a lot of second and 12s. We're 
looking at a lot of third and longs. And so in those opportunities, what those teams that know us know is if we can shut down Taylor on first down and we overrun him on first down, if they shut that down, then stunts and blitzes have just killed us. Our offensive line is so underachieving right now, and I'm talking about Nelson, Kelly, and Braden Smith. Everybody wants to pick on the two weaknesses. Well, we know their weaknesses, but the, the top three guys aren't doing a damn thing either, to be honest with you. They're not moving anybody. They're not protecting anybody. And so when you get in those long-yarded situations, you're vulnerable to that pressure in those sacks, 15 sacks and 12 fumbles, and most of those are coming early in the game. Really, that's first of all, that's creating the turnover problem. And then on defense, I disagree with you guys to some point. Yeah, it's a great second half, but they they get 99 yards rushing by their tailback, who you know is going to run it in the first half. They're they're 134.9 passer rating. Mills had 129 at the end of the first half, which means your pass percentage against other than Kansas City, is so bad, you're not having a chance to get your hands on the ball. Mm -hmm. Then when you get behind, when you get behind like we are, 68-6, to teams take the air out of the ball. One of the the reasons that you're playing better in the second half is teams are trying not to lose it with a 20-point lead with a three-score advantage, and they're running and they're throwing screens and they're taking care of the ball. And you're not – when you're behind, you check how many turnovers you're going to get – when you're playing from behind, when you're playing from ahead and you can rush the passer like we did against Kansas City and you can harass the guy, then you get turnovers. But yeah. playing from behind, let me tell you from experience, it's very, very difficult. No, that's an, that's an outstanding point. Yeah, most of your turnovers throughout the course of a season come when the other team is in duress and the Colts just haven't had the lead so far this year all right this one is is juicy so I'm going to give you both a chance to to get after this one Joe I'll start with you because the running game uh, on Sunday finished with only 38 yards the fewest by a Colts team since week 12 of the 2015 season against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers so four games in the Colts opponents actually have more rushing yards than the Colts do and Jonathan Taylor only has one 100-yard rushing game and just isn't getting that that same push uh, not only from himself but from the offensive line as last year so Joe Colts running game through four games as we look at at what's the deal what is the deal up front why can the Colts just not run the ball as efficiently as they have in the past I think it's a combination of a few factors. One, we're not getting the push we need at the point of attack, meaning you know, if you and I are blocking each other and there's a line right in the middle of us, we're not pushing our guy across the line. They're pushing us across the line, and that's kind of been across the board all five guys. I think, two, our tight ends are really struggling in the run game. I mentioned that first play of the game earlier. We run a wham play, a play that's been successful, and Granson goes too high on Simmons. I mean, that's a man. You know, you might have to think about cutting that guy, going low on him. He, he literally just stood him up with his left hand, tackled the running back with his right hand, and there's a TFL right there. And, you know, later in the game, they tried a similar play with Mo Alley. You know, he got chopped down. And so the running game, I think three, you know, if you think about last year, you know, Carson Wentz, despite some of his faults, you know, he was a threat with his legs. And so some of these run POs, some of these zone reads, some of these plays, the defense had to account for him differently, if that makes sense, because he was a threat to fake it up the middle to Taylor. If the end crashes down, pull it around and run around the edge, you know, we don't have that threat necessarily with Matt Ryan. And then I think four, combination of maybe 
defense is not being scared of our wide receivers down the field, what you're happening is condensed boxes, meaning they have extra guys in there. Coach always talks about the double sink, which we struggle because we don't have a tight end that can run just an old school fullback lead play. And then they're just creeping their linebackers up. I mean, 51 long, you know, he was firing his gun as soon as the snap was. You know, I mean, it looked like third, fourth grade football where they say, hey, you just get in there, get in the backfield, wreck some havoc, and we'll take our chances in the pass game. And I think teams have continued to play us tighter and tighter. And I think the last thing is the Colts are known nationally as having one of the best offensive lines. So you're a team, you're a young D lineman, you're a guy trying to make a name for yourself. You want to go against Kelly. You want to go against Nelson. You want to go against Braden Smith, some of the highest paid guys in the league. And honestly, I think that just defensive overall intensity up front in the front seven has been better than the Colts the first four games. And, and you might say that that last key that I shared, that might be the most important one. Yeah, and for me, you know, I always give you the coaching perspective, and I, I've been saying this for a month, and Joe and I concur on this. It, it, we're, I'm going to talk about some things that he and I actually talked in the pregame show. We actually talked in the pregame show, so this isn't this isn't Monday morning quarterbacking. But we are we are stubborn right now. We're running zone, 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 and we're running it against teams that play under, teams that play double sink. And basically what they're doing is they're pointing that, that inside three. They're pointing, like Joe said, they're manhandling us inside. We're not, if nothing else, they're getting stalemates inside. They're not, they're not getting any, we're not getting any movement. And then what you do when you play a team that only runs zone, no risk direction, no leads, then you tell your linebackers, you shoot A, you shoot B right now. And that's what Joe is saying. And, and we got, they got great games, you know, out of their two linebackers. Uh, you know, basically, even Cole stepped in there and played really good. 51 was terrific, and he was terrific against us last year. But there, we're so vanilla with the running game. I mean, we, we're not, we can't run whams very well anymore because, as Joe said, we don't have the tight ends. But we have got to get somebody, if we're gonna, unless we're going to throw the ball every down from base offense, we've got to get somebody in there that can run leads in the off-tackle hole. Now, trust me on this. We're going to see it again Thursday night over and over. I, I mean, if Granson can't do it, maybe, maybe you take a guy like EJ Speed and do it. I don't care who does it, but you can't keep playing this way. You can't get, you know, you can't get the, the, what you're not getting out of one of the best runners in the league. And then Joe and I talked about this in the, pre, in the pregame show, and you saw it. You saw they did a great job, Tennessee, of getting the ball in space early to Henry with a sway screen and a weak side screen. And what that did was totally loosen the defense, and then they started running the leads from eye formation or bringing the tight end and running from eye formation leads. They just impaled Leonard on that second drive, running right in the bubble. And if you've you got to be able to do that. And if – and and that's why to me I was th I was thinking we would be doing the same thing screen mm -hmm. to Taylor sway screen quick screen and make screens an extension of your of your running game especially when you don't have that blocking fullback or refuse to try to develop one because that's critical and be honest with you the way Ryan plays back there the way he gives the ball up on fumbles we're going to be in big trouble if we keep ending up second and 12 because they're going to they're going to attack that offensive line with blitzes and with stunts and they and it's going to be long days. All right, that's a segment called What's the Deal? Good stuff. Good breakdown right there from Rick Venturi 
and Joe Wright. I'm Matt Taylor. I wish we had better content to talk about, but good breakdown nonetheless. Speaking of breakdown, if you want more of it, check it out. The Colts Audio Network includes podcasts, radio shows, and player interviews, and it's available on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere else you download your podcast. You can also listen on the SiriusXM mobile app by searching Colts and listen to exclusive Colts radio and audio content on demand and stay up to date on the Colts and do it on your schedule. When we come back, we're going to dive into your Twitter questions. The mailbag is open. Get those questions in. Use hashtag Colts Roundtable on Twitter, and we'll get to the best ones coming up on the other side. Stay with us. You're listening to Colts Roundtable Live. We're back in a moment here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Welcome back to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. For more Colts breakdown, here's Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts. We're back again on Colts Roundtable Live, presented by Citizens Energy Group here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. They're proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. Tonight's show is also brought to you by Everstream, Indy's business-only fiber network, faster fiber and better business. Mailbag time. Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights are back. I'm Matt Taylor. And the weekly segment for the mailbag is here. You can tweet in your questions now. Use hashtag Colts Roundtable on Twitter. Uh, Jacob is up first tonight. Uh, he's asking, uh, Joe, how much better was our offensive line with Will Fries at guard compared to Danny Pinter? Well, I wouldn't say the overall O-line was better, but I did think Fries did a, a decent job. You know, you think his first start, he's going up against Simmons, who's one of the best defensive linemen in the game. And I thought Fries did okay. He had a couple plays I'm sure he'd like to have back. But for his first start, I was actually, you know, pretty proud of his effort. I thought he finished hard. I thought he played really hard. And I think I'd give him another chance, play a few more games. Because I think he's a bigger body type than Pinter is. He's got longer arms, a little bit rangier. And so I definitely would roll with him, you know, give him a couple games and see how it goes. You know, and what's interesting to me, you know, we've talked about the O-line as a whole needing more production. But over at left tackle, you know, with Ryman being active for the game, coming back from that ankle injury, I'll be interested to see, you know, in Thursday, depending on his health, but in the future, does he get more snaps there at left tackle? Because I think that's a case where clearly his upside is higher. And, you know, you can make the argument, well, even if he's a rook and he's going to roll with the punches a little bit, maybe make some mistakes, let's roll with a guy that we think might be our left tackle in the future. So keep an eye on left tackle. I'll be interested to see if over the coming weeks they potentially make a change or at a minimum get him back where he's rotating in and playing, you know, half the game, et cetera, and then see how it goes. All right, let's go to Paul's question. Uh, this is not a good question, but, you know, we'll, we'll still bring it up. Paul's asking, he says, I'm not trying to be funny, uh, but he says, are we the worst team in the AFC South? Rick, what do you think? Well, Paul, I'll tell you what, I, I, I looked at your question. I thought it was really a tough one to answer. I will say this, though. You know, if if we if we win Thursday night and everybody loses, as far as I know, we'll be in first place in the division. That is correct. So, you know, thank you know, thank God for the AFC South. It it is the gift that keeps on giving. I would have to say, in the first month, um, it would be between us and Texans who have really played the worst, and we we appropriately we played to a twenty twenty tie. I've watched all four teams, and I think, as I said in my, my opening there, when our opening takes on the game, I, I think what's sickened me the most is I don't think we're the worst team in the league. I don't even think we're close to it, but in many respects, we are playing down to it, and I can't, I can't deny that. You know, I really can't. 
I, I think it can be fixed. I think we can get certainly a ton better. You know, when I look at the division, uh, Paul, the, what I do see is this, and I, I've looked at every team obviously in detail because we've played them all now, is I honestly believe, and I know they lost to a tough Philly team, I, I honestly believe that Jacksonville is the best team on both sides of the ball, top to bottom, totally. They're well coached now. Uh, their quarterback is, is really on it, but they have a lot of talent. They got a lot of talent on offense, a lot of talent on defense. Uh, they don't have the experience, you know, to, to over the 17 Sundays like Tennessee does, mm-hmm. but I think that they're the best roster and the, and actually the best team. I think Tennessee is I don't I, I I think the win it just it just absolutely galls me. I just don't think Tennessee is a really good football team. I think they do a lot of things well. Uh, like I said, they stay true to themselves. They're consistent. I think the fact that they've had continuity at quarterback for five years uh, elevates them beyond us slightly. You know, as I think Tannehill is what five and one versus us, Matt, something like that. I think he's five and one. And I really do believe this, and I hate to say it, it it was always the signature that I never wanted. I just think they're more physical than we are. I really do. I think it's a a program issue, top to bottom. Uh, They're the more physical team. But, you know, I think we could, you know, we could be the worst team in the division. We could be the best team in the division. Like I said, Right now, we are terrific and terrible in the same 60 minutes. So, yeah. you know, what we got to do is we got to find more terrific. Yeah, Ryan Tannehill 5-1 and one against the Colts as the quarterback of the uh, Tennessee Titans. He took over in 2019. All right, one last question. Uh, Joe, you can tackle this one before we close out. Wes is asking on the mailbag, uh, are we capable of making a push with this team similar to the 2018 season or the 2021 season? Capable, absolutely, but we got to get some things figured out. And again, we've talked about it all show, but it's that important. The turnover issue. You're minus three yesterday, we lose the game. We're minus three to Jacksonville, we lose the game. We're positive against KC, we win the ball game. We're minus one against Texans, and we tied them. And again, just uncharacteristic. You know, I had a coach that played with the Colts, you know, several years ago. We used to say, when you carry that football, you carry this team in your hands, you carry this city in your hands, you carry the state of Indiana in your hands. And it's that important. And then also on the other side, we're not taking the ball away at nearly the same rate. I know part of that is Leonard being out. You know, we'll see what happens with his injury. But we only have three takeaways through three games, through four games. Bottom line, you're not going to win in the NFL with that turnover differential. So you think 18 we're one and five. We go to the playoffs. Last year, start zero and three. By early December, I'd argue we were playing as good as anybody in the NFL. And you know, you just needed one win your last two, and we know that debacle. But Frank has been here before. This team has been here before. When their backs against the wall, it's almost like subconsciously, psychologically, they like putting themselves in that situation. But guess what, boys? We're here now, and there's no margin for error. And when you think about our next format, you think about Jacksonville and Tennessee repeat games. You've got to win both those. You think about at Denver. You think about Washington at home. In reality, this next quarter of the season, I know coaches always divide it up into quarters. You really got to go three and four – or, sorry, three and one at worst in these next four games to put yourself back in a position when you're above 500 and you're realistically in the mix as the calendar turns to November and December. 
Hey, Colts Roundtable Live tonight is brought to you by Caesars Sportsbook, proud sports betting partner of the Indianapolis Colts. When we come back, we'll close out the show. We'll take a look at the AFC South standings after four, and we'll preview Thursday night's game in week five against the Broncos. Thursday night will be here right before you know it. You're listening to Colts Roundtable Live. We're back for one more segment here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. You're locked in to Colts Roundtable Live, a look at the latest action with the Indianapolis Colts. For more Colts talk, here's Matt Taylor. We're here for the final time on Colts Roundtable Live tonight on a Monday night, presented as always by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. Also, get your forecast first on CBS4 and get weather updates at any time with the CBS4 Indie app. You can customize it so you only get the alerts that you want. Search CBS4 Indie in the App Store or in Google Play. So the AFC South through four, the Jaguars two and two. They lost to the Eagles on Sunday, 29 to 21. The Titans two and two. The Colts are one, two, and one. The Texans are winless as well, and they lost to the Chargers 34 to 24. So the Texans, I should say, double back. They are 0 3 and 1 through four games. Rick and Joe, your final thoughts on the Titans game and a look ahead to the challenge in week number five against the Broncos on a short week. Kind of a blessing, Joe. You've been there as a player coming off a tough loss, having to regroup and refocus very quickly, uh, getting ready for Thursday night football in a short week, almost like a blessing in disguise, you know, psychologically or mentally going into a short game there. No question. When you lay an egg like that, you want to get out on the field as soon as you can. And we always talk about, Matt, the 24-hour rule. The reality is a Thursday night game is about a 24-minute rule. You go home and last night, you already start turning your mind to Denver. You won't even watch the film on Tennessee because it's that important to put the game plan in and go. And believe it or not, I mean, about 72 hours from now, the team's going to be warming up out there in mile high in Denver. And so you got to put it behind you quickly, turn the page. You honestly can't spend any emotional energy on Tennessee anymore. It's full systems go. Getting the game plan, Dan, down. How can we beat Denver and get ourselves back on the right track? Coach, what uh, what are you thinking when you look ahead to Denver and watching the film? I know you have keys we got to do to beat those guys. Yeah, I, just, I actually just finished the, the, the Las Vegas game from yesterday. Uh, Joe, this is this is a very winnable game. They're a beatable team. You know they're tough in the mountains when they play up in the in the highs. There, they're 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 very good. Um, basically, what this team is is it's built on defense. They're fifth in the league as of this minute in in giving up scores. They they can be very very good. They're very very active up front. Play a lot of double sync, a lot of five man front stuff. And they're 29th in on-scoring offense. So, again, they've been built on defense, really good on defense, really struggled on offense, got a little bit better on offense this week. Um, obviously, a couple players to be alert for. Uh, Sutton is the guy, the big guy, kind of a Pittman type, only bigger, big receiver for Wilson. Wilson still can throw that deep ball. He can throw it all over the yard. And he still, even at his age, has really good athleticism. He can ad lib and make plays. And then it's Chubb on defense. It's actually Chubb and Gregory, but Gregory was carried He's off at the, the other edge rusher because yeah. those two guys are really a handful and they're very fast inside. So, again, real good defense, uh, superior defense and struggling on offense. So that's what we have to take advantage with. Maybe we crank up Lindsey 
uh, with JT Hurt. Maybe crank up Lindsey against his yeah. old team. Yeah, we'll find out. Uh, Jonathan Taylor's sort of questionable, if you will, designation-wise going into Thursday's game. We'll have more on that as the week progresses, getting ready for the Broncos on a short week. Fellas, always appreciate the time on a, on a short week for you guys as well because I know you're getting ready for the game from a, a broadcast standpoint, from a preparation perspective. So, my thanks to you guys. Also, my thanks to everybody who participated and tweeted in their questions for Frank Reich and Rick and Joe. And we'll have plenty more on the Colts all week long. Colts Daily Updates Tuesday and Wednesday. The Colts official podcast will drop tomorrow. Inside Football with Rick. That's going to move to Friday following the game on Thursday night. And Know Your Foe on Wednesday uh, and player interviews all week long as the Colts get ready and try to bounce back in week number five. Check all of that out on Colts.com the Colts mobile app, and the Colts audio network, wherever you download your podcast. Coming up next, it's ESPN Radio, and we will talk to you a week from tonight as the Colts get ready for the Broncos on Thursday Night Football, another installment of Colts Roundtable Live next Monday night at 6 right here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Good night. Good night.